Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We all know South Louisiana is famous for its seafood, but can you turn it into a fast food commodity? That's what Tyler Pizzolatto is banking on. The Baton Rouge native opened the area's first fast casual restaurant featuring South Louisiana's farm-raised catfish in well, just about every menu item, and he's trying to build a brand around it. The restaurant Crispy Catch opened in the Perkins Road overpass area almost a year ago. Tyler is here to tell us about his business model and how he's doing. Tyler, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hi. Now, to build a better seafood business, be it a restaurant or retail outlet or distribution operation, you need the latest in technology, and that's what Bluefin Data provides. The Baton Rouge company has created software specifically for the seafood industry and aims to improve communication and increase transparency between seafood dealers and government agencies. Andrew Peterson is the lead developer of Bluefin Data. Andrew, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hi. Really cool. We want to hear all about it, but Tyler, we'll start with you. You come from a seafood background, and you've taken that to building this restaurant, Crispy Catch, which really, I mean, it looks like it was packaged and prepared and, and ready to be grown into a franchise operation. Sure, well, that's how we started. Uh, Cliff, my brother, and I, we uh, had the idea a few years ago, and uh, once the opportunity presented itself with the location, you know, it all came together kind of, kind of like it was meant to be. Uh, yeah, we, we do have an uh, extensive background in seafood. My grandfather was Tony Pizzolato of Tony Seafood. So it kind of was, uh, it just kind of fit with us. So Sure. Now, the model is sort of, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it reminds me of the Raisin Cane's model, to do one thing and do it well. Their thing is chicken fingers. Your thing is fried catfish. Correct. Uh, so starting out, yeah, I mean, uh, crispy Catch was, we did look at Raisin Cane's. They did have their simplicity of their menu. Uh, I think whenever you have simplicity, you, you're, you're better prepared to do the same thing and make it really good every time. So if in that aspect, we are kind of like Cane's. Uh, to say that we, we started out to be like Cane's, it just kind of happened that way. I mean, we do have <coughs> fish tacos and boudin balls. So we do stick to the catfish as our one protein. But, uh, you know, we are thinking about expanding the menu a little bit just to uh, add another option. And, and so pretty much, though, it is four, about four, three or four menu items? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Four combos. And, and so how, how does the public out there, we know everybody loves seafood, but, but do they take to catfish the way that they do to chicken fingers? Is it like almost second nature food that you bring with you tailgating or to birthday parties or to when you have kids over or whatever? I think it does work with the tailgating especially. I mean, in South Louisiana, LSU, you know, it's like everybody is going out there. So bringing catfish kind of fits with the, with the whole MO of LSU Southern tailgating. And that's kind of where we were, we were kind of positioned ourselves in that aspect. But um, 
to say that they like it more than chicken fingers is a little stretch. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, uh, everybody loves chicken and chicken fingers, but uh, you know, it, if we're kind of getting in there to, to change people's minds on something different, that's kind of where we, we're looking, the way we're looking at it. Now, do you all use old family recipes in the preparation of the dishes? Well, no, I think uh, it's kind of, you know, batter. We make our own batter. We make, uh, we really make everything from scratch. The boudin, everything's made at the, at the, in the kitchen. Um, but the catfish, uh, it's not really a family recipe. It's more the, the, pre the preparation and the, uh, the process that we use. It's kind of a, a family deal. So. Now, you all use farm-raised catfish. Where, where does that come from, and, and how's the supply chain? Oh, the supply chain is very, very good. It's actually coming out of Mississippi. So Mississippi and Alabama are the two top uh, states that farm catfish. Uh, we use uh, one of the best ones that we found. We, we did a, a tour of all the different uh, catfish farms. The one we found was very, it's very reputable, and uh, they, they, their, their consistency is very good. Okay, so this is news to me, mm -hmm. which doesn't mean anything, but that is interesting. <laughs> um, Louisiana does mm -hmm. not have they a do. market on, on catfish oh, farms? Oh, they do. They absolutely do. And, uh, but I think the, the quantity, the ones we use, in, in also it's distributors getting it to us. So how much catfish do you buy, for instance, on a weekly basis? Weekly basis, we probably go through three to four hundred pounds. Okay. And and what's the volume like at the restaurant? Has it's, it been uh, well you know, received? Well, during Lent, of course, we opened smack dab in the middle of Lent. So, you know, we started off really, really busy and, you know, things level out a little bit. But, you know, we're doing some things with marketing wise to try to bring more customers. Every single day we have probably 40 percent new customers. So. so you think it's really growing yeah. over time? And, 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 and the good thing is a good portion of the customers who do try it are frequent. You know, most of our uh, of our customers are, are repeat customers. So a lot of them are repeat. All business needs repeat customers. Mm -hmm. Speaking of business, Andrew, Bluefin Data, really interesting concept, probably something that not a lot of people outside of the seafood industry think about. Tell us what you all do and, and what the needs are in terms of software and technology in the seafood industry. So currently what we do is we help the government manage and maintain the seafood that comes out of the oceans and then goes out to the distributors. And what we're doing, I guess the need that we're trying to meet is the government wants this information and it's always been done on paper. So when you say information, you mean like the quantities, the amount of seafood that's being caught by individual fishermen out there? Exactly. Okay. And how much they caught, where they caught it, what they did. Information about the trip. Everything. Yeah. Okay. So each agency has their own information. Like some want to know, okay, when did the the trip start, when did it end? Some only care about when it ended. But they want to know what was caught on the trip, how much of it. Mm -hmm. It's it's to help manage the seafood industry to make sure it doesn't get overfished or before I guess this was done with paper and pencil, it was probably really haphazard and there wasn't a lot of standardization. Would yes. that be fair? Yes and well there was standardization but it was very slow. Like okay. you said, it's done in paper. So for it to get from the fisherman to the dealer to us, then we give it to the agency. The data is, I mean, that could be a week, two weeks, and the government mainly wants sure. it faster. So Bluefin develops software that is used by these government agencies, is that right? Yes. Okay, and, and the company was originally your dad's, is that right? Yes. And he started it a few years back? Yes, so he bought out the contracts from the company that he worked for. And 
started Bluefin Data in 2006. Then he just expanded the current systems that he had, and then now I came on about 2013, and we're now recreating that software that he created, but just using new technologies. Making it bigger and better and faster. Yes, much. So that's what you do as lead developer, you're a software guy. Yes. Okay, and so you all contract with the government, not with the private contractors or right. private companies. Right, yes. Okay, and what's the demand like for the services that Bluefin is providing? I mean, do you have government agencies beating down your door? Um, I would say we, we have a, a decent amount of demand just because the seafood industry is so behind on technology and everyone uses paper right now. So paper is just such a pain to deal with. I mean, everything that we know of is going to the cloud and it's being com becoming electronic. And sure. It's like they don't want these stack of papers because right. they have to pay somebody to go through all of the papers and then they take up storage and it's just the old way of doing it is just not, it's not working anymore. Well, Andrew and Tyler, we have someone here who can add to the discussion and he knows something about seafood. I'd like to introduce y'all, excuse me, to Trey Colleen. His company is Southern Bowie Lobster, and he's bringing a different type of seafood to South Louisiana, delivering fresh lobsters from Massachusetts Bay to local customers and at competitive prices. We met Trey through the Louisiana Business and Technology Center. The LBTC is a business incubator that offers the resources of LSU to entrepreneurs and innovators. Trey, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. So you have an intriguing business model, one you came up with a few years ago when you were visiting relatives in Massachusetts. Kind of. Okay. Uh, so I have extended family in Massachusetts. It's where my family migrated from, and they are currently fourth-generation lobstermen. And so just traveling up there as a child, I would go out on the, lo on the boats with them and take part in the whole lobster process. And I got to see just the behind-the-scenes, what goes on in the life of a fisherman, thought it was really interesting and I also thought that lobster was taken for granted up there because it was so plentiful and then thinking about how it's viewed down here it's it's not taken for granted at all no. in fact it's pretty expensive and so Indeed. I thought there was definitely a demand for that especially since I could get it at boat price so so this idea evolved and basically how does your company do it so we import, so my family sells, they are commercial fishermen, and they sell to a wholesale dealer, and he's a family friend, Okay. and I'm currently importing from him, and I import and distribute to restaurants throughout Baton Rouge, mostly focused on wholesale, but I do a little bit of retail, and if, if someone wants to order a retail order, I'll deliver it straight to their door, uh, but right now, I, I order the lobster, I have it shipped directly to the facility over at the LBTC. And I have a 100-gallon tank where I store everything. I can move it pretty quickly. I can get my orders in two different days a week, or I can fly them in and get them any day of the week in case the restaurant runs out early. And so that's where I keep them. That is so cool. So, so insider pricing, sort of special family deal, is sort of key to your business model at this point. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I really put the, the family connection to the test whenever I got started. I called around a lot of different lobster exporters throughout Massachusetts, uh, throughout the MLA, which is the Massachusetts Lobsterman Association, which my cousins are a part of. And I talked to several different wholesalers, and while they offered good prices and they were willing to negotiate, they didn't quite compare to what I was getting 
from the family friend. That's great. So I'm going to share my ignorance again here, but you said you have a 100-gallon tank at the LBTCS. Um, you import these lobsters live? I do. So how do you do that? So I have my main method of shipping is a refrigerated trucking company. Okay. And they bring them down live. They're shipped uh, in the industry standard cardboard dividers um, in a thick wall styrofoam box. A lot of gel packs, seaweed, a lot of different things go into making the box able to actually make it from one end of the United States to the other. And so they, they <coughs> actually go across the country, mostly in trucks, in the water that they came, came out of the bay in? They're sometimes shipped in water, but they don't necessarily need to be shipped in water. Really? Because lobsters can live outside of water as long as they're kept cold, moist, and they have that salty that salty environment. Like the seaweed. Exactly. So how long does it take, optimally, from the time they come out of the water in Massachusetts to, say, they're here in front of my restaurant table? Well, they go through a purging process once they're caught off the boat to make them more transportable. <laughs> and so they enter the tanks. Uh, the cleaner the tanks, the, the fresher the salt water is, uh, the more lively the lobsters become. In a sense, it revives them in case they were weakened uh, throughout any sort of that process. So they, they need to be in the tanks for about 24 hours after being caught, then they can be shipped. Uh, depending on the method I choose to ship, it could be anywhere from 16 hours to two days until I get them. That's still pretty quick, huh? It is, definitely. And, and how's the market been? You just launched this business a few months ago. So far, so good? Definitely. It's, uh, the demand's out there for lobster because the majority of your high-end restaurants, Absolutely. they have lobster on their menu. And more than likely, they don't have a great connect. More than likely, they're paying more than the market price for it uh, just because it's hard to get lobster over here. Right. And so another issue that I saw was being run into at these restaurants is <coughs> maybe they had a good price, but it wasn't as reliable. So if they ran out because lobster isn't sourced locally, if they were to run out, they might have to wait two days to get more lobster. And so then they have a whole two-day span where they, where they have to turn customers away from potentially their favorite dish at the restaurant. So one thing that I try to offer is the consistency. Being like a steady able supply. Exactly. So if one of my restaurants does run out ahead of time, I keep my tank stocked that I can bring them lobster enough to last them until I bring the next big delivery. Interesting. Uh, what's, the, what's the situation with, with government regulation in the seafood industry? And, and does it pose problems for y'all and your respective businesses? In the lobster industry, for instance, are there regulations governing interstate lobster transport? There are. I don't necessarily have to deal with them since I'm buying from a wholesale dealer. Uh, he deals with the majority of them, okay. and so that makes it a little easier on me. I, d I have to fill out a trip ticket, but of course my trip ticket is zero. So, so that's good. So you really act as a broker. So I guess your, your dealer is getting them from the fisherman, and you're getting them from the dealer. So Correct. it just gets marked up a little bit along the way, but still, not, still only a little bit so that the prices stay competitive. Absolutely, and most lobster, by the time you eat it, it's gone through four, maybe five hands, hmm. whereas... I'm taking about three of those hands out. Okay. What about in the, in the catfish business, <coughs> Tyler? Well, uh, I think the government regulation really falls on the distributor a lot. And, and, and of course, they have uh, brokers as well in the catfish industry. So yeah, they have the, the farmer, then they have a broker that works, usually works for a farmer, and then it goes to a distributor. 
So, of course, it's basically the same thing as with the lobster, it's, but I'm the end user. Okay, sure. So, uh, we don't really use lobster, but catfish, you know. Crispy catch lobster? There's I a mean, that would be a There's good. an idea. Yeah, it might be nice. maybe a special. Not you leaving could try it out. It. Yeah, not ruling <laughs> it out. You could try it for a while, and I suppose the government is, is good for you. I mean, the more regulation, Andrew, um, out there, that's something that you all can respond to with yes. your products. Yes. Okay. Um, what about the, the changing tastes of the consumers out mm-hmm. there? I mean, we've talked to a, you know, a lot of businesses on this show that deal with foods and, and more consumer savvy, whether it's high-end coffee or beer or liquor or breads. People are more sophisticated sure. today. How does that affect lobster or, or catfish or any anything in the seafood industry? Well, I industry? think for, for, for me personally, when, and Crispy Catch, uh, f- catfish compared to like say you, s- you said chicken fingers it's a little it's a higher it's more of a premium higher price point on it but it's also if you dig down I think catfish gets kind of a a, a bad rap because people think it's you know ca- it's catfish I mean you know right. it doesn't have a pretty name or anything like that but I mean these fish are actually you know babied I mean they they, they, they train the fish t- I know it sounds crazy to train a fish but I mean they have to eat off the top of the water they're not e- bottom feeders these catfish I mean they're farm raised uh, so the perception of catfish, it does get a little bit of a bad rap, but, you know, hopefully through the time, especially in Louisiana, people right. love catfish. So. Interesting. What about what about with you, Trey? Do you find more people here know about lobster, want to try lobster, have particular favorites for lobster? Well, one of the great things about lobster is that it can be prepared in so many different ways. You can make a lobster mac and cheese. You can have lobster by itself, put lobster with steak. You could tempura fry lobster. Uh, there's, there's so many different things you can do with lobster uh, that you really can't ever run out of ideas for the consumer's changing taste. And that's it. so interesting because we don't hear about many of those dishes down here. It's right. just steamed lobster on a high-end menu, and that's pretty much it with garlic butter sauce. and. Exactly. And when I originally started, I wasn't sure whether I was going to be focused on the wholesale or retail side first. And so one of the products that I offered was a lobster roll kit and that's great i was very surprised at the amount of people down south that were unfamiliar with what a lobster roll was right and so i found that there was having to i was having to do a lot of educating as far as what a lobster roll actually is Uh, and so i kind of changed the direction as far as just educating on lobsters first focusing on the wholesale side building my brand name and and leaving the retail side to mainly just live lobsters. Have you, on a sort of unrelated, but but have you had any trouble with like animal rights people? Um, do they have issues with live lobster or lobster farming or anything? Uh, they may or they may not. I haven't had any trouble with it. Uh, but all of the lobsters are caught out of the, the Massachusetts Bay, so we're catching them. And it's heavily regulated as well. Like I said, my, my cousins and and my dealer are a part of the Massachusetts Lobstermen Association, which re- which regulates things pretty heavily. Okay, well, guys, we're going to take a little break right now and do what we call the checklist. It's that part of the show where we ask you each a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on your standard loan application. So, Andrew, I'll start with you. What is unusual about the culture of your company at Bluefin Data? Well, we're trying to build a culture that where people actually enjoy what they do. It's so many people go to work go there nine to five and they sit in traffic all day and hate it and it's just like why why so true why do you have I mean it doesn't have to be that way so many people are like well I gotta make money and (laughs) it's definitely understandable but if you're creative you can find a way to make money and be happy at the same time I mean so many 
people I grew up with were just, it's you went to high school, you went to college, you went and got a, a corporate job and you got married, you had kids and then that's that. And it's just like people just always think that that's how it has to be. And So how do you all create a culture that makes it fun to write code for the seafood industry? It's it's different. It's just it's we, we don't have any cubicles. We don't tell people, hey, go do this work, come back to me whenever it's done. It's more of a collaborative. Everyone's, it, we have like one big room and we have a big conference table in the middle. And we all, s sometimes we sit around the table, work on it. Sometimes we go and work on our own. And it's, it's just so different from the today's corporate environment. It's, it's more like how they do on the West Coast. That's great. Did that come from, did that impetus come from you or your dad more? Me. So that's what you've introduced to the company? Yes. Uh, yes. Excellent. How many employees do y'all have? We have three. Okay. So it's, it's working. Yeah. No, it, it's small. We're still small, but the good news is, is we don't really need many more people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can always use more developers. We have plenty of work to do, but right now we're, we're good. Excellent. Well, Tyler, here's one for you. Uh, what keeps you up at night? Hmm. Let's see. Um, right at the moment, thinking about the the, the, the next day's uh, <laughs> <laughs> business day, you know, and uh, to be honest, you know, it, it's it's a lot of work, but you know, I love it. So you know, it doesn't really keep me up many nights. But you know, some days like today, we had this interview. Of course, yesterday we get a big uh, catering order. So I was a little nervous getting everything together today, but uh, you know, this is, the, this, is the, this is the part that I like, you know, being very busy, not knowing the next thing that's gonna come up, so. Yeah, and in a restaurant, yeah. I'm sure the, it, the stress is constant. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it could be looked at as stress. I look more at it as, as, as that's what it takes to grow. You know, it, without stress, it means you're not really growing. Right. So. All right, and, and here's one for you, Trey. Um, who do you turn to for advice? Well, I have uh, a main advisor at the Louisiana Business and Technology Center, Kenny Anderson. And so we meet once a week. I turn to him for advice. I also have a few different advisors, an advisor who helped me throughout college. We speak on a weekly basis. And if I need advice regarding the industry that they necessarily probably wouldn't be the best to go to, I have my cousins who are there firsthand. I have my supplier who's there firsthand who goes out on the boat and runs a wholesale dealer program. And so I typically reach out to them if I need advice within the industry. That's great. Are your cousins actually part of the company, Southern Bowie Lobster? Do they have a, an equity stake in it, or do you just pay them a cut? Not at the moment. They're not, uh, they don't have an equity stake in it, but we have a lot of plans as far as how we plan to grow and involve the family up there to also help build what they're doing up there. They're probably going to want in at some point if you uh, do well. Absolutely. <laughs> And I, I want them in as well. Where do y'all hope your companies will be in three years? Tyler, where do you want to see Crispy Cash? Yeah, in three years, I hope to have uh, at least one or two more restaurants. Um, you know, we're actively, well, we're, we're pursuing pretty soon to look for uh, another location. So, and uh, the, the idea is to, ho is to hopefully uh, move into the drive-thru. So. And, and is your, is your long-term plan to franchise or, or to open... Yeah, I, I think franchising is, is an option, but, uh, you know, at the moment, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I, I would do it myself at first, you know, if anybody, if there's, I, I'm sure there, if we get to the point where we have multiple locations, people are going to want to 
open them up as well. So that's I'm not going to rule anything out. So. But you're definitely looking for multiple locations. Sure, absolutely. Where do you want to see Bluefin data, Andrew, in three years? I want to see the new system out and replacing the old system and making everyone that has to report making their lives easier and better. Because right now, reporting is a burden on the fishermen, the dealer, everybody. Even the government, it's a burden because they have to analyze the data. They have to manipulate the data. They have to, hold, I mean, store it. And our system, once it's out, will be much easier to manage and maintain the current mm -hmm. system. And, and do you all have plans to grow a lot over yes. the next few years? Yes, so we also want to make the new system easy for other like agencies to come on mm -hmm. so that there's just so many little niches within the government. Like you have lobster, you have up in Maine, you have eels. Um, we have oysters down here. So there's so many different agencies out there that we want the new system to make it easier for other industries to get on so that they can reap the same benefits. Excellent. Trey, what about you? Where do you see Southern Bowie Lobster in three years? In three years, I'd like Southern Bowie Lobster to be widely known as the go-to lobster supplier for high-end quality restaurants who are looking to import quality lobster to their restaurant. In Baton Rouge, in Louisiana, in the Gulf South, across the country? For sure within the greater Baton Rouge area, uh, but also Lafayette, New Orleans, other bigger cities within Louisiana. And once I've gotten to that point in Louisiana, Wherever I may move next, I would like to expand and replicate the model that I've created here. Not only on the wholesale side, but also retail. So I haven't really tapped into the retail market right. as much at the moment. But if there was a family that wanted to have a luxurious, affordable dinner at their home, then I would like for in three years them to think, okay, well, let's call Southern Movie Lobster. Let's have them deliver four live lobsters straight to our door. That sounds great. <laughs> well, good luck. Trey Colleen, Andrew Peterson, and Tyler Pizzolatto, it's been a pleasure to have you all here on the show today where we're enjoying great seafood and hearing your stories about building seafood businesses. So thank you all so much for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Tyler Pizzolatto of Crispy Catch, Andrew Peterson of Bluefin Data, and Trey Colleen of Southern Bowie Lobster. You can find out more about Crispy Catch, Bluefin Data, and Southern Bowie Lobster by following the links on our websites, wrkf.org and itsbatonrouge.la. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Ann Edelman and Charlie D'Agostino. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. 
Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com